I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Kings in chapter 3. Now, I'm going to try to see how far I can go with this message. But this is a message I preached at our just concluded Eurasian camp meeting. And yesterday I was praying and I was looking into my notes. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, what would you have me share with your people today? And this is the message that I believe the Lord has given to me. In 2 Kings chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 4. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. And I pray today that you will speak to every life and every heart today. That you will make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer that I might declare your word in this place today. We give you the glory in advance for all that shall be done in Jesus' mighty name. We honor your word here today. And everyone say amen. It says in 2 Kings chapter 3 from verse 4, Now Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder. And he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jehoram went out to Sam of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. And I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. Now, verse 11, the Bible says, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Let's just keep reading here. I, I want to get down to verse 26. Just go down to verse 26. It says, And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 100 men who drew swords, to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son who would have reigned in his place and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. So they departed from him and returned to their own land. Can someone say amen? amen. Now, let me give you the background story that led up to this stage. And the stage I'm talking about particularly is in verses 26 and 27, 
where it says the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him. He took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through the king of Edom, but they could not. And when he realized they could not break through the king of Edom, and he saw that everything was against him, the Bible says he took his eldest son, who was the heir to the throne, and he offered his eldest son as a burnt offering upon the wall, right in the presence of his enemies. And the Bible says, great indignation broke out against Israel, so they departed from him and they left him. Now the background story is this, Mesha, the king of Moab, had paid tributes to Ahab, the king of Israel. But when Ahab died, his son Jehoram became king in his place. Now when Mesha saw that Ahab was dead, and Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king in place of Ahab, Mesha saw that as an opportunity to break the power of Israel over his land. Because for many years, Mesha had paid tributes to Ahab, the king of Israel. So when Ahab died, he saw that as an opportunity to break free. He got to the point where he said, enough is enough. How many of you understand? There are times in life when a man needs to rise up, when a woman needs to rise up and say, enough is enough. I cannot accommodate the oppression anymore. I cannot accommodate this sickness anymore. I cannot accommodate this poverty anymore. Enough is enough. And this man, Mesha, the king of Moab, had been under bondage for years. The king of Israel, Ahab, had kept him under his thumbs. But when Ahab died, he said, I will break free. And so he decided to rebel. He decided to break free. But when he broke free, the son of Ahab was upset. So what did the son of Ahab do? The son of Ahab got himself the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and got himself the king of Edom. Now, when you study the Bible, you realize that Edom was Esau. So basically, this is an alliance of three brothers. Israel, the northern part of Israel. Right? Judah, the southern part of Israel. And Edom, who was Esau, the half-brother, I mean the brother of Jacob. Is that correct? And so there was an alliance formed because the son of Ahab said to Jehoshaphat and to the king of Edom, this guy has rebelled against me and I want to bring him back under my control like my father had him under his control. And so these three kings got together and they went against the king of Moab. And that was Mesha. And Moab got their army together. But when the king of Israel and the king of Judah and the king of Edom came against Moab, the king of Moab saw that the battle was fierce and there was no way he could win. Guess what he did? 
The Bible says he took his son, his first son, his eldest son, the one who was supposed to sit on the throne when he dies. He took that very son and he slaughtered him. He offered him on the walls, right in the presence of his enemies, as a sacrifice to his gods. Now, when you study the story of Moab, you would understand that Moab was a very, a very superstitious, a very religious country or kingdom. It was Moab that one time called the king of, actually called Balaam and said to Balaam, we want you to come and put a curse upon the people of Israel. Remember Balak the king? Balak the king was the king of Moab. At one time he called the king, I called him Balaam, Balaam and said, come put a curse upon the people of Israel. Because Moab in the history, as we know, has been a, a kingdom that, uh, that believes in superstition and believes in the realm of the spirit. And so, when this king saw that the battle was fierce and there was no way he would defeat these three kings, he took his eldest son and he killed him. And offered his eldest son as a sacrifice to his God. Now, what I'm trying to bring to you today is, the, is a message that I entitled, The Power of Sacrificial Giving. This is not my favorite verse. This is not my favorite passage in scripture. When it comes to sacrificial giving. Because you and I know. That the king of Moab. Did not sacrifice his eldest son to God. Rather he sacrificed his eldest son to his gods. So our God does not need human sacrifice. But the point that I'm trying to make. And the reason why I use these verses. Is to challenge you. Because if this man believed so much in the power of his God and in, in what his God will do if he gave him sacrificially, how much more should we believe in the power of our God and what our God will do when we give sacrificially? Those that worship the devil sacrifice day in, day out, year in, year out. But when you talk about sacrifice in the church, a lot of people, they just basically disconnect from you because they don't understand the power of sacrifice. Those that serve the devil, they sacrifice every time. They understand what it means to give something that it's of great value to them. They understand it. And I believe it is time for this church to also understand the power of sacrifice. Can someone say amen? amen. Can someone say amen? amen? So sacrificial giving works. Whether you apply it in the negative or you apply it in the positive. Those that serve the devil make sacrifices all year round. Because they understand that when you are willing to do what others are not willing to do, you shall have what others cannot have. They can only dream about it, but they can have it. Today, we've taken the time to showcase 
two Bible school graduates who had to make sacrifices. When you come to River Bible Institute, there are sacrifices that you have to make. You don't expect to be used by God until you are willing to give up some things. And those who are not willing to give up anything can never be used by God. It's not enough to come and shout hallelujah. It's not enough to shout happy new year. The Lord is going to bless me. This is going to be my year of the overflow. With the overflow comes sacrifices. Those that are not willing to make sacrifices cannot experience the overflow that God has spoken over this church. Because you will be given opportunities to make sacrifices. Can someone say amen? amen. Because to sacrifice is to give up something of great value. Let me say that again. To sacrifice is to give up something of great value. A lot of times, it is the thing that is of great value that's stopping you from rising up to the place where God wants you to be. Because people are not willing sometimes to give up something that is of great value. But those that are going to give up something that's of great value, they shall begin to take on the thing that is of greatest value. Can someone say amen? amen. People make sacrifices all the time. You can sacrifice to the devil, but you can sacrifice to God. This man, like I said, it's not my favorite story or example when it comes to sacrifices. But let's see what this man gave. He gave the hair to his throne. To break this attack, he had to give something that will move him. A lot of people are doing what's comfortable. And if you keep doing what's comfortable to your flesh, you will never rise up. Your comfort zone is your last place of victory. And it is time to rise up from your comfort zone and step into a whole new territory. People camp out. People think, well, where they are right now is all that God has for them. Can I tell you, where you are right now is the beginning. It is not all that God has for you. But for you to go to the next place, there are some things that you have to do. And some of those things are called sacrifices. And I thought someone would say amen. amen. The word of the Lord came to us that this is the year or this is a season of the overflow. That we are going to experience the overflow of God in every area of our lives. But I want you to understand that there are sacrifices to make if you want to experience an overflow. So to sacrifice is to give up something of great value. Tell your neighbor something of great value. And if your giving is of great value, the return will also be of great value. Let me say that again. If your giving is of great value, the return will also be of great value. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. That he shall also reap. It is what you sow that you shall reap. If you sow your time to God, God will give you more time to accomplish greater things. If you sow a year or two of your life to God, as you decide to come to Bible school and be trained, guess what God's going to do? God's going to put into you that which you need to touch the nations of the world. Many come to this country and they want to transit from here to 
Europe. And then you ask them, what is your plan when you get to Europe? They have no plan. They have no plan. There is no vision. And the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. That's why the Bible school is here. To help you discover God's vision for your life. That's why the Bible school is here. To get you ready for what God wants to do with and through your life. But if you will give God a season of your life, and if you will ignore your plan, and you will catch on God's plan, I can guarantee you that God's going to raise you up, and God is going to send you to the nations. Some of you are thinking of going to Europe. God's going to send you to the entire world. Because you sacrifice your plan. I came to this country with the intention of playing football. Not because I couldn't get a club. Not because I wasn't good. I knew what I was doing. But the Lord said, no. Many are the plans in the heart of a man. Nevertheless, the will of God will stand. Give up your plan. Put it on the altar of sacrifice. And see what God will do. I was praying the other day. I said, Lord, this is my morning. I just woke up. I'm only starting. I haven't even seen anything yet. It's only the beginning. This is the beginning. I just, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're starting the day. This is my morning. This is my, God hasn't, I, I haven't even stepped into the thing. All these years I've been warming up to play the real game. I'm about to play the real game. I'm about to play the real game. I've just been warming up. It's just been warm up for all these years. I'm about to start kicking the ball in the post. Can someone say amen? Because I had my plan. God said to me, give up your plan. Take on my plan. That's what we call sacrifice. You take that thing you want to do and you put it on the altar of God. And you let the fire of God burn that thing up. And when the fire burns that thing up, then you have no plan. But guess what God does? God will now come to you and give you his plan. Because you cannot mix your plan and the plan of God together. It's not going to work. It's either your plan or his plan. It cannot be both. So I had to give up my plan and I had to take on his plan. And it was a seizing of getting ready. Praise God. I said, 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 praise God. You see people come here, they want to go to one country in Europe. And then I go, to, okay, come pass. You, people are passing through. Now I go to Europe to see them. I go to Europe to see them now. I'm, I'm not boasting about anything. But I tell you, God will raise you up. God will raise you up. God can raise you up. Follow God and he'll raise you up. Five, ten years later, after they've left, they're still illegal in the country where they go to. Still struggling. When God gave them the opportunity to, to catch on his plan so that they would no more struggle. Because when you catch on God's plan, when God leads, he provides. When God leads, he opens the doors. When God leads, he makes a way where there seem to be no way. Come on now. God makes a way. Praise God. Hallelujah. I said praise God. Hallelujah. Everyone say sacrifice. sacrifice. 
You've got to give up something. You've got to give up something. If you will accomplish the plan of God for your life. Praise God. It's giving up something that you love. Giving up something that is of great value to you. When God will say, give that up, my child. I have something bigger. That's why, that's why they tell you, good is the enemy of the best. Say it with me, good, good. is the enemy, the enemy of the best. Praise God. Don't settle with good. Go for the best. And the best is the will of God. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. So if your giving is of great value, the return will be of great value. Sacrificial giving is not an easy giving. But it is necessary if you want to experience an overflow. Do you think it was easy for Jesus to go to the cross? When Jesus knelt in the garden of Gethsemane, the word Gethsemane means the crushing. Jesus knelt in the garden of crushing. As he knelt in that garden, he prayed. He said, Father, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will. Well, let your will be done. Let this cup pass. In other words, I don't want to drink it. But I know this is what you want me to do. I know this is the price you want me to pay. I know if I don't go through this, the harvest of humanity will not come. I know if I don't pay the price, the overflow Will not come. But I don't want to do this. Show me a man who is enjoying plenty in every area. I show you a man who has given plenty. Come on now. Show me a man who is excessively blessed by God. I show you a man who has sacrificially over and over again given to God sacrificially. Please don't, don't think dollars now. Because when we talk about sacrificial giving, we're not just talking money. We're talking about first and foremost, your life. Your life and everything about you needs to be given to God 100%. You cannot be one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You have to be completely sold out to God. To serve God in spirit and truth. You are not a Christian on Sunday alone. If you are a child of God, you are a child of God... 365 days in a year. My God is getting quiet in the house. I thought someone would say something. <laughs> Sacrificial giving is not an easy giving, but it is necessary for you to experience an overflow. When Jesus knelt in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, I don't want to drink this, but it is your will for my life and I will do it. We know that while he was there, he began to sweat drops of blood. Imagine the agony that he was going through to the point where he began to sweat blood. Drops of blood falling from his brow. 
Why? Because he was sacrificing. But what was he sacrificing? He was sacrificing his life. He was sacrificing his blood that you and I can come back to the Father. Can someone say amen? Amen. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice what it says. Who for the joy. Who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him. Can I tell you this afternoon, you and I were the joy set before him. When he knelt there in the garden of Gethsemane and he sweated drops of blood, he could see you and I. He could see the entire world. He could see men and women from the continents of the world. Coming to the saving grace of God. Returning back to the Father and falling in love with Him. He could see that. So who for the joy, believers are the joy, I believe, that was said before Him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now He is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can someone say amen? Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Basically, he gave up his God status. The Bible says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now watch the overflow. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, lift your voice and give Him praise in the house this afternoon. Hallelujah. We are here today because of His sacrificial giving. We are Jesus' overflow. We are Jesus' overflow. The reason you can sit here today is because of what he did 2,000 years ago. We are his overflow. Sacrificial giving is not an easy giving, but it is necessary. Those that are not willing to sacrifice nothing cannot experience the overflow. Jesus wanted to experience the overflow to the point where you have millions and billions of people all across the world today that answers to God and God alone and worship Him. As I speak to you today, there are billions all across the world worshiping Jesus today. Billions all over the world worshiping Jesus today. The name of Jesus is being lifted all across the world today. Today, his name is being lifted. Today, his name is being glorified because he sacrificed. You and I are the overflow of Jesus. Tell your neighbor, I'm Jesus' overflow. Come on, say it, I'm Jesus' overflow. Sacrificial giving is the kind of giving that stretches you out of your comfort zone. It will stretch you. 
Your comfort zone is the place of your last victory. There is more that God wants to do in your life and through your life. Don't settle. Sacrificial giving will stretch you. It will stretch you. Praise God. It will stretch you. Tell your neighbor it will stretch you. Now even think about, think about in your academics. Think about your studies. Think about your business. If you're not willing to make sacrifices, you'll never be the best. Is that correct? Any business person here who is doing well, you've made sacrifices. Is that right? While others were sleeping and snoring, you woke up at 4 a.m. Let them sleep. But you are making sacrifices. Is that correct? Students. Students. Those who just think, oh, what my teacher taught me in class is enough. No, there are those who will go the extra mile. They're not, in, they, they're not satisfied with what the teacher taught in class. They'll go home and they burn the night candle. While people are sleeping, they are reading through the night for four or five hours. Is that correct? People want to start a business, but they don't want to prepare themselves. They don't want to study nothing. They don't want to do anything. They want to build themselves up. They don't want to sacrifice nothing. They think the business will just fall on their laps. It doesn't happen that way. Can someone say amen? You, you need to learn to go to those that are doing it better. And tell them, don't pay me. I work for free. Yeah. Don't pay me nothing. I want to work in your office for free. Because you have a plan. Pastor Godwin, I went to that office. They're they offering me uh, $300 monthly. What am I going to do with $300? You're not ready to do nothing with your life. Go to them and ask them to employ you and you're going to work for free. Because you want to... No, listen to me. Listen to me. We have several business people here. How can we have business people in this place? And then there are others that are struggling. Sometimes they come to me, Pastor, I'm new, I knew in town. Go to business people, talk to them, don't come to me. <laughs> Use your brain. Pastor, I'm, what should I do for you? I, I should employ you in ministry? <laughs> Give you a job to be my assistant, Pastor? <laughs> look at all these, look at business people. Go to them, offer to work for free. Guess what? You won't work for free for too long, they'll do something for you. They'll do something for you. People don't take initiative. Pastor, I'm here. Okay, what should I do? Pastor, I'm here too. If you tell me I'm here, I'll tell you I'm here too. <laughs> I'm here. You want to do something for me? Do you have a job? No, I don't have a job. Uh, have you been looking for a job? Uh, yeah, I did. When? Last month, I went to two places. They told me, Ishiok. <laughs> just, one, just two places in last month. And so I just decided there is no, there is no job in this country. I, I'm just going to sleep. I'll, I'll, you'll be sleeping for five years if you're not careful. 
Sacrifice. Wake up at 4 a.m. Wake up at 5 a.m. Don't come to this country and be lazy. Sacrifice. Stretch yourself. Read books. Pastor, I read the book last year. Okay. <laughs> Listen, see, if you notice, I'm not even talking about giving to anyone. I'm talking about giving to yourself now. Give to yourself. Give to yourself. When you sacrifice, you're not giving to any. You're giving to you. You're getting yourself ready for what God's about to do. Pastor, you mean I should go work for that brother for free? That's unfair. No, no, no. You're not doing it for him necessarily. You're doing it for you. Praise God. Is this helping anybody? Am I preaching to you? Sacrificial giving will kill confidence in self. It will kill confidence in material possessions. And it will build confidence in God. Now, even when it comes to giving something material, that, that's, that's one of the things that this message on giving does. It will kill confidence in man. Woe is he that puts his trust in the arm of the flesh. Blessed is he that puts his trust in the Lord. Listen, listen to me. Look, at, look, look, up, look up at me. There is nothing, just decide today, there is nothing too big for me to give. Nothing. 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 Pastor, but that's my best. There's nothing too big for you to give. Just resolve that in your heart once and for all. There's nothing too big for me to give. Amen. If the Lord says empty it, empty it. If the Lord says give it, give it. If the Lord says do it, do it. Nothing too big. Tell, tell three people there's nothing too big for me to give. Nothing. 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 Nothing too big. Because when you, when you begin to give sacrificially, don't forget, sacrificial giving is giving something that is of great value. It's giving something that moves you. That's what it is. It's, it's like going the extra mile. I, I will not be average. I won't. I will go the extra mile. Because what I do I do to the glory of God, but to my benefit. When I'm, listen, when you're ready, the doors are going to open. Don't bother about the doors. That is God's supernatural responsibility. You have your natural responsibility. Do yours. When you are ready, the doors will open. The gift of a man will make room for him and bring him before great men. Nobody can stop you. No, but, no, but, nobody, no devil can stop you. No man, no woman, no devil can stop you. When you are ready, the door will open. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. When you are ready, the doors will open. 
Doors are not open because people are not ready. When you're ready, the doors will open. The doors will open. The doors will open. God said, I set before you an open door that nobody can close. Just get ready. Get ready. Sacrifice. Do what you have to do. Cut out the excess sleep. Cut out the excess sleep. Just like, just like we have three square meal a day. People have three square sleep a day. Are you, do, do you realize that the more you sleep, the lazier you get? The more you sleep, the weaker you get, even physically speaking. The more you sleep, the weaker you get. You think you gain strength when you sleep. No, you lose strength if you sleep too much. And guess what happens to your mind? Your mind begins to shut down. Your mind is not as active as it should be. Your mind becomes lazy and weak. Years ago, this was many years ago, about 10 years ago, I was out on evangelism. I went to TBS, and I met a young man. One thing led to another in our conversation, and I found out, actually, it was around 2, 3 p.m. He just woke up. He just woke up from sleep. I said, you just woke up from sleep? He said, yeah. This is the way he wakes up basically every day, 2 p.m., 1 p.m., 1 p.m., 2 p.m. I said, why? He said, Pastor, there's no job in the country. No work. Okay, so no work, you sleep. Listen, think differently. Think, tell your neighbor, think differently. Don't think, don't think like that. That's his, that's his thinking, thinking. It's a poverty, mediocre thinking. How dare you wake up 2 p.m.? I said, have you, have, you, have, you, have you thought of employing yourself? See, he never heard that before. He never heard you can employ yourself. I said, don't you know you can employ yourself? Why wait for people to give you a job before you are employed? Don't you know you can employ yourself? You can wake up at 6 and you can get busy with your life. Busy with what? Busy with the book. Read something. Get ready. Something big is about to be unleashed on you. Wake up 2 p.m. I said, don't you realize that people have been making millions for the last five hours? While you've been sleeping and snoring? As a kid, I used to hear this. It was like, it's like a poem. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. How many of you have heard that? Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Should I tell you the opposite? <laughs> you walk out the opposite. Say sacrificial giving. 
give to yourself sacrificially. In other words, cut out all the stuff you don't need in your life. You see those weights, those things that weigh you down. You're trying to run, but you cannot run effectively because you're carrying too much kilos. Too much kilos. No, I don't mean fat now. I'm just talking about... Too <laughs> you're carrying too much kilos, so much you're carrying on yourself. Drop them so that you can run speed. You can run speedily. Drop them. Drop them. Amen. Amen. That relationship that seemed like if you give it up, it's the end of your life. Give it up. You don't need it. She's the love of my life. No, she's not. <laughs> if, I, if I give him up, who's going to feed me? Who's gonna, ladies, I want to tell you, young ladies, don't, don't ever, don't ever think like this. You think you need a man? If you, if, you, if, you don't if you don't have that man, who's going to take care of you in the country? <laughs> I know. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Some come, some, some, they'll come to church, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But then you go back, you're shocking up with the man, and the man is your source now. It's getting quiet now. <laughs> no man should be your source. Except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. No man is your source. Only God is. You don't live with a man to provide for you. Only God provides. And until you learn to live by faith, you, know, you will not see an overflow in your life. Get rid of that relationship. It's a hindrance in your life. That's the hindrance. That's the problem. Young ladies don't want, know how to live by faith. They want to live with a man who buy, buys everything for them. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This section, shame, say amen. If I move out, if I sacrifice that pastor, who will take care of me? God will take care of you. Just like what Sam said. We, we said... We'll teach you how to live by faith. We'll teach you. And he thought we're going to give him step one, step two, <laughs> step three. Step, no, we just took him and dumped him into school. <laughs> just dump you into school. And circumstances come from all over the place. And you realize, if I don't swim, I'm going to sink. That's the way we, we take you, we throw you into the ocean. I can't swim. You're going to swim. You must learn. Learn on the job. Start swimming. Start swimming. Oh, no, you hear, I hear people. And this is one of the big, this is one of the big things on, on, on the heart of my wife. Because, you know, she has met women, ladies, who just think, I have to believe with a man to take care of me. And she's trying to say, no, no, you don't have to. You don't have to live with a man. And if you're a man here, you're doing that, don't let me pray for you now. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're a man in this place and you have girls living with you in your house, you're taking advantage of them, uh, uh, wait, let me catch you. <laughs> catch you. I'll, I'll catch you. <laughs> I'm going to catch you. Very soon I'm going to catch you. 
going to catch you. I'm about to catch somebody. <laughs> you know, I'm paying her bills. I'm, I'm buying clothes for her. Uh, and she's living in my house. So she shouldn't live in your house. She, you go home today, you deal with that. Okay? If you have the fear of God, you take care of this thing. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's why many people are not wise. Because they don't fear God. They don't fear God. They want to use God. Come to church, shout hallelujah. And think it's coming to church and shouting hallelujah. That everything, no. Fear God. Fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. You don't have wisdom until you begin to fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning. So wisdom don't even begin until you start to fear God. Fear God. And when you fear God, God will honor you. Let me give you a quick example of the fear of God and the reward that comes as a result. When Israelites were in Egypt, and the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, saw that the Israelites were growing in leaps and bounds. And he said, all the male children that's born to the Israeli women needs to be what? Killed. And there were midwives who were looking after the women before they deliver. The midwives, as they attended to the Hebrew women, they refused to heed the commandment of Pharaoh. Or, the, or, the, or the, the words of Pharaoh. So when the Hebrew women gave birth, the midwives would not kill the babies. And Pharaoh called on them and said, why are you not listening to me? They said to Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. The Hebrew women gave birth quickly before we showed up. So we couldn't, they were lying. They were, they were not telling the truth. They were there when the women delivered. But they feared God. They didn't fear Pharaoh. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says because these midwives feared God, God gave them their own families. <laughs> you, you can't fear God and not be blessed. So when I preach on the fear of God, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. You cannot fear God and not be raised up and not be blessed and not be rewarded. Impossible. The Hebrew women were delivering. The women, we're not going to kill anybody here. We're not killing nobody. Do you know what it means to disobey Pharaoh? But these women rather feared God. And God, the Bible says, when God saw what these women had done, God said, no, you can't, you can't serve me like this and not be blessed. You don't have a husband? Hey, you, go marry that woman. You, go marry that one. You, marry that. You, no, yeah. And then children begins, begins to come. God gave them their own families because they had the fear of God. God's going to give you something. When you fear God. 